you are enough. You are chosen. You are worthy. You are precious. You are important. And today is your day. Don't forget to start the day waking with the word. Good morning, everybody. We're in a new series today. Wisdom for life. Learn to live. A few years ago, God showed me my purple Bible. I was in the shower. I was in a hotel room and it was sitting on the bed. I didn't know that he was about to and had already actually started me on a journey that would be the most incredible, exciting, pressurizing and humanly stressful journey that I had ever, ever lived through. I didn't know that I was about to achieve something that only he knew was possible in answer to prayers and studies and seeking that I had done for quite some time. I didn't realise that he had heard the prayers that I had said when I was young. Lord, I give you my heart. Father, I want to be only yours. Father, I give you my life. I didn't realise that with all my faults and failings that I didn't see at the time, He really not only saw my heart, but had prepared for me a plan with a purpose. And that he was putting the very first steps into action right there and then. But at that day, as I stood in the shower, he said to me, as he showed me my purple Bible, lying on my bed in the hotel room. Take every word in that book and believe that it is real, that it is true, and act as if it really is true, definite, real. Over a period of time, I would hear the Holy Spirit speak to me all of a sudden, telling me amazing things, like one day in the shower again, in someone else's house, I heard him say, I'm the God who can bend heaven and earth for you. Another time he said to me, I just want to give you things for free. And I was then propelled into a time where he gave me so many things for free, I couldn't even really believe it. I thought, what on earth is going on? I was overwhelmed with his love for me that I actively saw. But it came, as I said, after a period of time where I said, Lord, I'm yours. I just want to be yours. Father, change me, teach me, develop me. I didn't really understand what I was praying because when we pray this, he does take us through times where he knocks bits off and peels bits of us away and teaches us who we are and shows us what he wants for us. My friend of mine, a dear friend, often says, but it's hard. Oh, my goodness. It's hard, it's painful, but yes, it's incredibly worth it. What I have now, not on earth, but inside of myself and in heaven, is in some ways so much more than I ever had, and yet so much less than I ever had. You see, I had trouble, and now I have peace. I have unrest, or had unrest, and now I have rest. I had striving, and now... Thank God he's developing and teaching and showing me how to let it go. When I rest, I really rest. 
And I rest every single day and I have more on earth than I ever had and more stress. I should have more stress because I have more responsibility. So much more. But I have more peace than I had without the responsibility. There have been times on this journey where I've lost it and then realised later on that I was under so much human stress. Cognitively, I couldn't take it. But he was taking me to the place where it became so much that there was nothing else I could do but give it to him. The things that I struggled with before I now laugh at and I know the journey is only in its early stages. I had a choice recently to ask for more or to say I've had enough. Thank you for the journey, Lord. And I chose to ask for more. My humanity was shivering with fear. But my spirituality and my excitement was trembling with anticipation over what God was going to do. As I've walked this path, I've seen him change people's lives. Genuinely change people's lives. And he's changed mine so incredibly much. As I've walked this path, he's crushed me down. Because I needed it. And I still need it in areas I'm sure that only he can see. I say, Father, please bring it on. Make me yours. Because what I have from being yours is so incredibly wonderful. In brokenness, we shine. Because when we're whole without him, we don't realise we're not whole at all. Let me say it again, in brokenness we shine because when we're whole without him, we're not whole at all. And one more time, in brokenness we shine because when we're whole without him, we don't realise, but we're not whole at all. And there are areas in my life where although I give lip service to him, as I used to genuinely pray, I want to be yours, take my life, make me yours. There are areas where I pray that, but I don't realise that I'm not there yet. That a prayer doesn't get me there, but a path with him does. And the path is far from always high and happy. We realise the path is low because the way to go to God is low. You see how big and how great he is and how small you really are. But when you walk with him on that low path, it's like walking on the highest hilltop ever. Do you know, I used to love coming home. There was one time I was walking my dogs and I'd walked a long path. And at this time I was spending time, giving time to someone who I never should have done. I didn't see it at the time out of my need. I wanted them to love me and like me and adore me and talk to me. But at home I had someone who loved me and cared for me. And as I came home, after putting the phone down on the first person, because it died, this person took all my time up. I thought that was love. But as I came home, I saw one light on. And I felt the warmth of home, like returning to a warm fire on a winter evening. The warmth of that person's love meant so much to me. 
Now, our home was not great. It wasn't decorated well. And at this time in my life, we didn't have money. But you know what? Better to be with that person with nothing than to be with the other one with everything. To be with that person was like walking the hilltops. Whereas I could live on the earthly hilltops with the other one and feel like I was in the gutter. When we walk with Jesus, it doesn't matter where we're walking. But oh my goodness, the incredibleness of who walks with us. When you truly love someone, home is where they are. And home could never be without them. Happiness is where Jesus is. And I could never be happy at all without him. The joy, the joy in every situation because he's with me and in me. He joins himself to my soul in a way I could never, ever describe. And Pastor Les Nuttall, one of the teachers or professors in our Bible college years ago when I attended Adelaide Bible College, used to say it's better felt than tell. My mum often says, I cannot put faith in their heart. It has to be born in them. And that's the words of a song that Pat Brinkley used to sing when I was young another wife of one of the ministers in our work. And it's true. I can tell you all the experiences I have and I've had. I can be humble enough to say when I've been wrong, to expose my faults in the hope you will learn and I will continue to learn from them. But I can't make you learn. And in fact, even God has promised not to make you learn. He says, if you have ears, listen. He says, if you will, come. He says, wisdom cries out, calls out. But will you answer? Will you listen? The fool doesn't listen and goes their own way and pays the price. And some fools still don't learn. God, help me not to be that way, please. About 10 years ago, I said, Father, if there's any mountains in my life, don't let me walk round them again and again and again. Let me learn a lesson once a year, but not the same one. Let me not take years to learn one lesson, but let me learn one lesson a year. And one doesn't sound a lot, but he's honored it because some lessons are very hard to learn. When I got a bit older, I prayed, Father, give me 10 years in three. And oh my goodness, was that a very hard thing to learn. All those lessons in one go, but the joy. Oh, I cannot describe the faithfulness of our God, the goodness of our God, how close he comes to us. And when he's so close, you just want him closer and closer and you get to know him. And you know him to the point where you know when he's grieved. He's so beautiful, so tender, so near. And words are so important. As we walk with him and talk with him and focus only on him, as the scripture tells us to, we become on earth, someone that others can learn from only if we stay small. And we realize we've learned lessons that perhaps might help other people. Pride is man's 
best friend, probably along with the dog. Pride came at the beginning, just after it says the Holy Spirit trembled with anticipation about what he was going to create. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and in the Hebrew the word hover means to tremble with excitement. What God created, with the energy that comes from his mouth, from talking, he spoke this world into being with all its detailedness and delicacies. And then pride came. The whisperer is what the word for serpent is in the Hebrew. And he said to Eve, did God really say? Did he say? Did he really say? Are you sure of what he said? Do you think maybe I could tell you what he said? Should, you know, do you want to question what he said? Now, it's great to study and look into the original language in the original culture of the scriptures to really understand what that scripture is saying, or you understand a miss. And sometimes we've understood a miss for 2,000, 3,000 years. Slavery. Slavery we thought was okay for 2,000 years. It's not. It's good to study. In fact, it says in the Bible, study to be approved. It talks about completing your salvation through studying. But what this whisperer did is not ask Eve to study what God had said herself, but to question what God had said herself. Not to come to him and ask and study, but to judge what God really meant. And then he also asks her to judge the character of God. He says, if you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil, and that's why he doesn't want you to eat it. And all of a sudden the character of God is twisted and turned from a God who created her in love and gave her what she needed, even given her a job in Eden so she had self-respect and self-esteem. The whisperer, he accuses God of having a different character to the character God actually had. And she takes the fruit. She eats it. And then she gives it to someone else because we pass on what we take in and we spread it. Sometimes we spread it without even realizing and other times we spread it deliberately. The lessons I have learned I want to spread because I don't want people suffering what I've suffered. The suffering of the breaking of God is a wonderful experience because he disciplines me because he loves me. But the suffering of my own mistakes has been a crushing and horrible experience that I'm glad God has healed me from and turned around for good and taught me wisdom through. But if I could go back, Lord, I'd rather do what you say every second of every day. In the scripture, it says obedience brings blessing. God says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I want your obedience. I want you to know I love you. So I have given you commands because I love you. Because when I call you into a relationship, it's not you love me and I'm distant. It's I love you. Love me back. Let's have a love relationship together. I've loved you so much. I've told you what's good for your mind and what's good for your heart and what's good for your strength and what's good for your soul. And I've provided all that I am in the word charis which we translate in the scriptures as grace. It means God leaning towards me and distributing all that he is to me. 
In the New Testament, we have the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the gifts are given and the fruit grows. But the word gifts is not in the original language. In fact, when you read it in the original, it says the spirituals. And actually, if you look at what it means, it means the Spirit. The Spirit is distributed to each one of us as he sees fit. Who is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. He distributes himself to me as he sees fit. He pours himself into my life and through my life that he may affect others. As I've said, she took that fruit and she ate it and she gave it away. What I eat, what I take is given out through how I live, how I speak and just my presence. Have you ever been somewhere when you've met someone and you've just known that they were not clean, that they were not safe, that they were not good? I remember when we first had Aaron. Aaron came and lived with us because Stephanie needed to look after her little brother. Well, we took him to a local church and the vicar came and shook our hands. And as we walked away, Stephanie looked at me and said, that man's a paedophile. And as he shook my hand, I had the same feeling. So we got in the car and we prayed and we left it. And I thought, Lord, are we judging him? It's just this feeling. I just know it made your skin crawl. A few months later, he was in the paper for abusing children. Thank God we never sent Aaron there. But we just knew. It's that internal sixth sense that comes because it oozes out of the person. What you take in will be given out. People say to me, how do I tell others about God? I say, just be. Just be. There was one time I was an extra on a soap because I'm a trained actor and I did some extra work because I miss acting and I'd love to do it again. When I went to this day of acting, we had to sit in this porter cabin all day long. And in one of the major networks on the British TV, this soap was going to be shown. There was a woman who sat beside me and all day long we just spoke about dogs with a group of others. Because on the way there, I'd said to God, I'm not going to talk about you unless you bring up the opportunity. I'm not going to shine my light. When I was younger, I was taught that you go to school, not by my mum and dad, but by other people. And you have to shine your light and talk about Jesus and tell everyone about the Lord because you're a light to them. I was five, just a normal girl. So I learned the heavy weight of being a Christian and decided from then on, when I was older, I wasn't going to be a Christian. I was just going to be and know Jesus. Well, I went and I didn't speak about him all day long. And at the end, you have to sign a release form, which says I release my image to be allowed to be on TV legally. So they said, please walk to the cafeteria and sign your release form. And then you can go. As I walked, this woman who had been sitting beside me, who earlier in the day, God had said to me, speak to her about me. I said, no, Lord, you bring it up. She came behind me and she said, I have to speak to you. I said, yeah, sure. Would you sit down, she said, as we sat in this cafeteria of probably the most popular and famous network on British TV. She poured her heart out to me about brokenness in her life and then said, I have no idea why I'm telling you, but I just need to tell you. I said, I know why you're telling me. I told her about Jesus, who had healed my broken heart so many times. And although I was not perfect, who loved her perfectly and loved me perfectly. She looked at me and she said, you know what you have, I want. I thought, I haven't 
told you anything all day, but it must have come from me somehow. I said, let's pray. And I put my hand on her head. And as runners went backwards and forwards in this cafeteria looking at me, I prayed. And the Holy Spirit fell on her and she said, this is beautiful. I cried. He filled that cafeteria. I couldn't believe it. When I got back in the car, it was like 11 at night. I was supposed to finish at nine. It may have been later. My mum phoned me, where are you? I said, I've just left. She said, were you praying with someone? I said, yes. She said, I said that to Stephanie. She's probably praying with someone. Sometimes who we are and who we know on the inside and what we take in oozes out of us. And we don't have to be anything but us. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is taken by men violently. In other words, if you seek him, you're going to find him. If you run after him, he's going to run to you just like the prodigal son. If you search for him, he cannot help. He cannot help but wrap his arms around you and love you and love you and love you. You've got to hold him. Because you see, God made you and me to take in what we want, to give up what we will, to be who we choose. And today God gives you and me a choice. You may not know all that you are, but you will know some. And you may have some idea of who you are that may be tainted and not true. Either puffed up pride or very low, both of which are lies. And the whisperer will have come to you and distorted God's character as well as your own in either one of those ways. And the past mistakes or the past triumphs will be exaggerated. And the future dreams and ambitions will be too. But he says, I stand at your door and I knock. And if you will invite me in, I will come and I will sup with you. And the word sup in the original language of scripture means to give and take nutrition. I'm going to give nutrition to your life. I'm going to share a nutritious meal with you for your whole life. And where you have enemies, I'll lay a table in front of them. Don't look at them. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what I give you. Take your eyes off other people and ask today, who am I walking with? You know, you may be talking a lot, but what are you being? What's inside of you? How many years do you want to go round your mountain? There are so many mountains. But you know, mountains move by words because they were created by words. Let me say it again. Mountains move by words because they were created by words. And one more time, mountains move by words because they were created by words. I had the privilege of reading that on Pastor Randy Morgan's or Bishop Randy Morgan's Facebook, who is a distant friend of mine, but a brother in the Lord. And I thought, Father, that's it. Thank you. Mulberry trees look like thoughts. When you examine thoughts in the mind of someone, they look like trees. And Jesus said, you can forgive. And then he talks about the mulberry tree and he says, you can command it to go into the deepest sea. Why? Because situations, circumstances, people and the way you think of things were created by words. So you can take hold of your life like David did when he said, oh, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, hope thou in God. 
you can take hold of your life and you can violently take the things that God has promised for you. In Matthew, it says, cut off anything that is unclean. Pluck out the eye if it keeps looking at something that's unclean. People have made fun of that scripture and said, oh, God tells you to chop yourself up. No. But he tells me to remove that which is so abhorrent to him because it damages me. Because he made me in love. And he made me for love. And he made me for good. And he offered me everything that was good. And he offered me all of himself. But he's good. And he can only come in and sup with me if I make the environment welcoming and comfortable to him. And he's not comfortable in pride. And he's not comfortable in hatred. And he's not comfortable in anything that's unclean and dirty and filthy. Plans and thoughts to hurt others. Plans and thoughts that hurt me. How can love bear with anything like that? But my God is a great surgeon. He says, I will heal your heart and I will set the captive free. He says, bring it to me because there's a way back from sin. There's a way back from where you are. My precious friend, my dear one, my brother and sister in the Lord, there's a way back for me too when I've come with shame and disgust, hiding my face, thinking he could not look. He said, Emily, your life is hid with Christ in God. But it's a hiddenness that makes me change. He casts it to the deepest sea because I'm not meant to go there anymore. Let me say it again, he casts it to the deepest sea because I'm not meant to go there anymore. And again, he casts it to the deepest sea because I'm not meant to go there anymore. And he makes me different. He writes his law on my heart. In Galatians chapter five, it says, do not go back to the yoke of slavery. Sometimes we look back, things were better then. That's what the people of Israel, Egypt said, but that was slavery. As I said before, do you want to be free? with little and then receive what he wants to give when he's got you ready as he took the people of Egypt through the wilderness to get rid of the grumbling and the discontentment so they could have what he had for them or do you want to have everything and not have him as I said when I walked home and saw that light and I realized home is where you are and it's so beautiful and precious and lovely to me. I could just be myself and it wrapped me up in love. Jesus said, you can gain the world and lose your soul. When the Holy Spirit led Jesus to Satan, and he did in the wilderness, Satan tempted Jesus with pride. He said, you can have all of this. Worship me. Worship pride. Worship having. Worship owning. Worship people looking up to you. Throw yourself off here and the angels will catch you to prove you're someone of worth, to prove you're the son of God. You're hungry, aren't you? Turn that stone into bread. Go on. Work it all out for yourself. Get what you need. You've got a right to. And Jesus counteracted him every time with scripture. You are not going to twist the character of my God. 
He will supply my every need, and I don't even live just by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why? Because the mouth of God creates the things that I need. Why? Because the mouth of God tells me what to do, where to go, and looks after me in love. It's freedom. I choose to listen. And together, me and God work together for good. It's beautiful. (laughs) Why would I listen to you? Why would I need to do it myself? Don't need to work it out own the world. Why would I want to? He owns the world. I want to listen to him. So what he gives me responsibility for on this earth, like in the Garden of Eden, he gave us stewardship over the earth. But I walked with him or we walked with him every day, it says. I want that relationship where he comes down and we do it together. Prove, prove that I'm of worth by the angels catching me because I threw myself off of a high place. Why would I ever put myself in danger when God loves me so much? Do you think I need God to prove he loves me? I know he loves me. Do you think I want to step out of his will when it's you that told me to jump and not him? Is God stupid that he will tell me to do something utterly stupid like that? Now don't get me wrong, he will tell you to do things that don't make sense. But you will do it with him. You don't jump on your own. You don't need to test your God. You walk with him. And the devil went. Because Jesus didn't listen. Because Jesus got up every morning and prayed and stayed through the night and prayed often and went alone and prayed and sometimes had no time to be alone because the crowds followed him and he gave out that which was within him. Hard life. But powerful life precious life. I read nowhere where it says Jesus was miserable, but Jesus was purposeful. Jesus was wonderful. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Proverbs 1 verse 9, I believe it is, that says, Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And that fear does mean a trembling. But it's a trembling of anticipation and trust and excitement and reverence and fear. Because the one that you walk with is God of the whole universe and not bound by your rules, your laws, your prayers, your decisions, your desires, nothing on earth binds him. He's big, he's great, he's powerful, he's wild, he's incredible. And he's yours. Pastor Gary, one of the men that was trained in our Bible college, he's more of a practical minister, but he once preached. And I think it was after he preached, we were speaking and he said, and reading the books of Narnia, which I've never read. And he said in part of that, Aslan is described, and Aslan is a picture of Jesus. When C.S. Lewis wrote Narnia, it's a picture of the spiritual realm. And apparently Aslan is described as being wild, but being tame because of his love for the humans. And in an instant, he could wipe them out. That's Jesus.
that's your God. That's why he tells you to be meek, because he's meek. You see, meekness is when you're powerful, but you don't have to display it. You don't have to do things by force, but you know. And everyone else knows the power that you have. He's a gentle giant, but he's still the giant who said, better to have a millstone put around your neck than meet with me if you've hurt one of my little ones. But he's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And yet there's all the promises of the fearfulness of God. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord and seriousness over what he has said to us in scripture, in history and in experience. Come with me on this journey. Come with me as we talk about Proverbs together and other scriptures and life experience. And I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged and receive something more, something greater, something deeper than you have experienced or received so far. As we share, he will sup with us and give us nutrition, you and me, and him together. God bless you so much. Father, come and meet with us. We're yours. I'll speak to you tomorrow. God bless you all. Take care. If you would like to support our work, you can find details at info at comebacktogod.org.